The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, it's the second half of our two-part series on adaptogens. So listen close and find out how these herbal remedies can help you. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town and what's new at Mother's Market. But first up, David Winston is an herbalist and ethnobotanist with 47 years of training in Cherokee, Chinese, and Western herbal traditions, has been in clinical practice for 40 years, and is an herbal consultant to physicians, herbalists, and researchers throughout the USA and Canada. In 2013, David was presented with the Natural Products Association's Clinician's Award and awarded a fellowship by the Irish Register of Herbalists. David is the founder and director of the Herbal Therapeutics Research Library and the dean of David Winston's Center for Herbal Studies, a two-year training program in clinical herbal medicine. He is the president of Herbalist and Alchemist Incorporated, a manufacturer that produces herbal products that blend the art and science of the world's herbal traditions and used by many practitioners. He's also the author of several books, including Adaptogens, Herbs for Strength, Stamina, and Stress Relief. And we welcome him to the Mother's Market Radio Show. David, how are you? I'm wonderful, and thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, adaptogens helping with autoimmune conditions. Well, adaptogens also affect the immune system. As we said, adaptogens help to re-regulate the body. And, and most adaptogens, I would say I would say all adaptogens have some effect on the immune system. And we said before, they help to re-regulate the HPA axis, which has an effect on significant amount of immune function in the body. But many adaptogens, not all, but many adaptogens are also fit into a category of what are called immune amphoterics. And amphoteric is something that normalizes function irregardless of whether it is hyperactive, so it's overactive, either or whether it is hypoactive, underactive, or both. Mm. So therefore, somebody who has immune hyperactivity, that would be something like an allergy. And so for an adaptogen, something like reishi mushroom, and reishi mushroom, or something like uh, Asian ginseng, or American ginseng, uh, ashwagandha, these are all immune amphoterics as well as being adaptogens. And so what they do is they help to re-regulate a disordered immune system. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, how, do you, how does the herb know what to do? The herb doesn't know what to do. <laughs> the way they work is by nourishing and strengthening the immune system. And the immune system is innately self-regulating. But when under stress, under uh, uh, various types of deficiencies, our immune system can lose the, its ability to re-regulate itself or to regulate itself. And so adaptogens can help that process. So we can use adaptogens, especially these immune amphoterics, for people who are allergies to reduce allergic response. We can use them for people who have hypoactive immune systems, whether it be somebody with cancer, whether it be somebody with chronic Lyme disease with immune suppression, whether it be somebody who constantly is getting colds and flus and things like that, and it strengthens and nourishes the immune system. We can also use them for people who have both hypo and hyperactive immune systems, and that describes autoimmune disease. Most autoimmune disease, not all, but most autoimmune diseases, research has shown people have prematurely aged immune systems and it loses regulatory control. And then one aspect of the immune system starts attacking self-tissue, self-antigen tissue, and that creates the destructive destruction of tissue. Well, there's nothing better in my mind 
um, without virtually any adverse effects than immune amphoterics for helping to re-regulate that disordered system. And so as the immune system gets nourished and strengthened, it starts to regain its ability to regulate itself. So these adaptogenic herbs can be used for a wide variety of immune issues. Well, that's good. Um, how about ad adaptogens? Are they, are they the same? Um, well, no. A, a, as I had mentioned earlier, we have a lot of different kinds of adaptogens. So mm -hmm. we have stimulating adaptogens. So some of our stimulating adaptogens, our most stimulating adaptogens would be red ginseng. And our second most stimulating adaptogen would be an herb called rhodiola. So for somebody who has um, insomnia, for somebody who is agitated, irritable, uh, type A personality, I'm generally not going to give them red ginseng mm -hmm. or rhodiola because it can make those things worse. Um, so, but where somebody is really deficient, depleted, and tired, then, you know, then I might be using something like red ginseng or rhodiola. Then we have our calming adaptogens, and some of our calming adaptogens include like ashwagandha, which I've already mentioned. Uh, another calming adaptogen is an interesting one called shizandra. The Chinese name is uetsu, mm -hmm. which means five-flavor fruit. And shizandra does something very unusual. It leaves you feeling very alert, very focused, and calm. Because mostly when we think of things that leave you feeling alert and focused, we're talking about stimulants. But for most people, schizandra is not stimulating at all. It's actually quite calming, and it was traditionally drunk in like monasteries before meditation and prayer, because it got you in this mind frame where you're really focused, concentrate, at the same time calm. Mm. So, and then we have other herbs like cordyceps, which is a, uh, the caterpillar fungus, which is a calming adaptogen. And so for somebody who is anxious and irritable, uh, I would be using things like reishi or ashwagandha or schizandra or cordyceps to calm them down. Then we also have adaptogens that are heating. So somebody who feels cold all the time, we might use an adaptogen that's warming. Red ginseng, as I already mentioned, is not only the most stimulating adaptogen, it's also the most heating adaptogen. We have adaptogens that are cooling for people who have lots of inflammation. We have adaptogens that are moistening for people who have problems with dry skin, dry eyes, dry cough, vaginal dryness, lack of synovial fluid in the joints. And so they're something like shatavari, which I mentioned before, which is a moistening adaptogen, or licorice. And then we have adaptogens that are drying. And, and one I had already mentioned is rhodiola. And rhodiola, you have to actually be a little careful about in that context because it's very drying. So for somebody who already has a dry mouth, dry cough, something like that, rhodiola might not be appropriate for that person. On the other hand, somebody who has constant excess secretions, excessive um, drainage from the sinuses, diarrhea, things like that, where there's a lot of uh, fluid, Rhodiola might be perfect. And so we're, we're looking at the different characteristics or the temperament of each herb, or what I like to call the personality of each herb, and saying, okay, what does it do? And one of the, the reasons that I wrote my book on adaptogens um, was because people, first off, one of the things that was happening is people were starting to say, oh, this herb's an adaptogen, and that herb's an adaptogen. And, and many of the herbs they were claiming are adaptogens are most definitely not adaptogens. So I wanted to clarify what is and is not an adaptogen based on the current research. And then number two, people were kind of getting this idea that an adaptogen is this category of herbs, and so you just pick one from the category. You know, mm -hmm. just pick one from column A. Well, no. 
Because again, a stimulating adaptogen is not going to be appropriate for somebody who's already overstimulated. A drying adaptogen is not going to be appropriate for somebody who's already has a lot of issues with dryness. And so we choose not only an adaptogen, but <laughs> to quote a commercial, which adaptogen is right for you? <laughs> or which adaptogens are right for you? Right. And so, oh, that's really interesting. And thank you for breaking that down. Um, speaking of breaks, we're going to have to take another quick break. Um, great information. Stay with us. We will be right back with David Winston. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with Her Life Stages. The first of its kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. And welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you've missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to the past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with herbalist David Winston. And we've been talking about adaptogens. And David, um, adaptogens are often recommended in dealing with stress. And we talked a little bit about that, but uh, how, how do they help? Well, adaptogens, as I said, help in several ways. Number one, when we're under stress, we increase secretion of stress hormones, especially cortisol. And I mentioned how elevated levels of cortisol have a very significant effect on the body. Um, they interfere with immune function, they interfere with digestion, they interfere with circulation, they interfere with blood sugar regulation. And the more cortisol you have, it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, and that is the more cortisol you have, the less well you sleep, the less well you sleep, your blood pressure goes up, your stress level goes up. So elevated cortisol is also related to elevated levels of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So what adaptogens are doing is helping to, number one, uh, inhibit the um, uh, elevated cortisol-induced uh, mitochondrial dysfunction in the body. It's re-regulating that HPA axis, and the HPA axis, as I said before, has significant effects on all nervous system function in the body. And so what it's really helping the organism to do is to re-regulate itself. So what we're really looking at is adaptogens are herbs that help normalize overall function. Now, that doesn't mean every single system in the body or every single thing, but especially, as we said, nervous system function, immune function, and endocrine function. So adaptogens can be appropriate in dealing with chronic anxiety. Adaptogens can be appropriate for dealing with conditions like depression. Adaptogens can be useful. And again, are they cures? No. 
but they can be a useful part of a protocol. They can be a useful part of a protocol for dealing with uh, issues, uh, dealing with aging, which we can talk more about. They can be appropriate for dealing with people with conditions such as OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. They can be even of benefit for dealing with things like autism. And again, autism is a complicated, multi uh, uh, a systemic condition, and it's not a cure, but they still can offer some benefits. And so these are herbs that on a wide level are helping to basically recreate what we'll call the emotional foundation. And I already mentioned that we talked about herbs adaptogens can be used with, especially when they are paired with these nervine herbs, they can be great. So for instance, one of my favorite nervines is fresh oat. And this is an extract made from the fresh milky oat. So this is the same oat that you, oatmeal cookies, except that that's made from the mature oat. During the growth cycle of the oat, it goes through a one-week period, what's called the milk stage. And before that and after that, this one-week period, the chemistry is different. It, during the milk phase, um, the, the chemistry of the oat changes, and at this point, it develops these incredible nervine effects. So you have to actually, the oat has to be harvested at that stage, then it has to be processed and made into the medicine literally pretty much the day it's harvested. It cannot be dried. Uh, it loses most of its activity if it is. When you do this, fresh oat, I think of it as the queen of the nervines. It is a restorative to the nervous system. I like to tell people it's for people who burn the candle at both ends, the middle, the top, the back and the sides, inside and out. These people are so fried, they are crispy. You know, this is for people who have lost their emotional foundation and they are having number 10 reactions to number one problems all the time. This is for people who have become emotionally labile. And so we use this type of herb, and fresh oat happens to be one of my favorite ones. It's a slow-acting herb. You take it over significant periods of time, months, but you slowly see people rebuild their emotional foundation. And so the combination of something like fresh oat with a calming adaptogen like reishi mushroom, for instance, um, can be wonderful at helping to deal with people who have issues such as chronic anxiety. Uh, we then, of course, might also look at something like somebody with depression, and there we might consider, um, depending on the type of depression and the person who actually has the depression, again, adding in adaptogens. And we see multiple adaptogens, which have been shown in studies, to enhance the efficacy of even pharmaceutical antidepressants in some cases. So adaptogens can have a huge effect on stress. And for most of us, you know, we look at the average American, and while I hope most of you, you know, are not living that crazy, stressed-out lifestyle, so many of us are, where we're working longer, we're working harder, you know, they've let go of a bunch of people, and now you're doing two people's jobs, and we have our cell phones, and so we're taking our work home with us, we have our computers, most people just in this day and age seem like they don't know how to relax. Again, they're not getting enough sleep. So yes, start enhancing your lifestyle choices. Start eating better. Try to get more sleep. Do all that. But adaptogens can be one of the things that really helps make a difference in helping us to sort of get beyond the fact that maybe we not can't make every single healthy choice that we should. And you are kind of leading right into my next question. What is that lifestyle choice with that the lack of sleep, the exercise, and and um, how can those um, adaptogens kind of help enhance what our average American lifestyle is is kind of leading us into uh, these days? You know those uh, 
that treadmill that we're on? Well, as I said, you know, ultimately, <laughs> it, it it doesn't really matter, you know, if you have occasional stress or chronic stress. I mean, it matters to you for sure. But either way, adaptogens can be of significant benefit. So in either situation. But I especially find, as I travel around the U.S. a lot, I teach in the U.S. and Canada and Europe and Central America. And what I find is, is that in, you know, in the middle of the country, people may be less stressed out in the middle of the U.S., and Canadians definitely seem to be a little bit calmer than Americans, but especially coastal people, East Coast, West Coast, people are doing that burning the candle at both ends thing that I, I've already talked about. And so choosing the appropriate adaptogens, and again, this goes back to choosing the right one. So if you are highly stressed out and you're agitated, but you have trouble sleeping at night, Yes, you want adaptogens. Yes, you probably want nervines. But you, for instance, really probably wouldn't want rhodiola or red ginseng because they're going to be overstimulating for you. And so getting to know your adaptogens, getting to know which ones, again, are right for your specific situation are incredibly important. But use adaptogens within the context of the best healthy lifestyle that you can. That's going to give you certainly the best results. And again, it's not so much... Should I do this one adaptogen? Try to find adaptogens, as I said, paired with nervines or paired with nootropics or paired with the nutritive tonics that are going to, again, benefit you. And I think when you look at the best products out in the marketplace, it's a not a one-size-fits-all phenomenon. And that's one of the problems with a lot of, uh, in the American herbal marketplace, a lot of times it's this one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Try going into a clothing store where one size fits all. <laughs> You're going to look great. <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that, right? Um, let's talk about uh, adaptogens for aging. Adaptogens make incredible sense. You know, we have an aging population. I guess I'm part of that mm -hmm. aging population as a baby boomer. And, you know, here we have a group of people who are probably more health conscious than any group of people before them, for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, people, some younger people are also very health conscious. But we have a group of people, and, and there's an irony here. Because the irony is, is a lot of the people I meet who are my age or older, everybody wants to live to be 85 or 90. But nobody wants to be 85 or 90. What they want is they want to be 35 till they're 85 or 90. Well, <laughs> I, I have bad news for you. that It doesn't work. That's not possible. And everybody says, oh, yeah, 60 is the new 40. Right. No, 60 is, the, is 60. <laughs> but we can live healthier lives. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with times past. What do I mean by that? I mean... Hopefully, when you were younger, you made good choices. But the reality is, is that some of us made some pretty silly choices. So we're working with what we have. So, you know, again, you're, you're making those healthy lifestyle choices. But as we age, our bodies, our immune systems start to not be quite as strong as they used to. And maybe stress affects us more deeply. A major issue that occurs with aging is sleep. A lot of people who, as they get older, have more and more trouble sleeping. So adaptogens can add significant benefits. There are adaptogens that I would give to people with Alzheimer's. Now, is it going to cure Alzheimer's? Absolutely not. 
but hopefully it can slow the progression in some cases, certainly improve quality of life, reduce some of the anxiety associated with Alzheimer's. Uh, adaptogens also can enhance function of other organs and other tissues in the body that also are affected by aging. So the reality is, is that I believe, and the research on this, there's not very good research. There's some test tube research on this. So I can't say that this is true, but there's a little bit of, as I said, very preliminary research that suggests that some adaptogens, maybe all adaptogens, may also increase the length of the telomeres, which is the capsule in the, the DNA. Mm. And as we age, our telomeres shorten. People who have longer telomeres live longer lives and stay healthier longer. So this is theoretical at this point, but I wouldn't be very surprised if they actually had some benefit for doing that. Why? Because what are they doing? They're helping us on all these other levels, and they, we know that they even work on a cellular level, so perhaps they even work on a DNA level. But that, again, is speculative. That's really interesting. Um, while we're talking about that, is there a specific time when um, kids should begin taking the adaptogens? Well, you know, when we look at herbs, there are certain herbs I consider kids' herbs. And what makes something a kids' herb in my mind is that it is really safe, it tastes good, and it's really gentle. Basically, uh, for kids, most kids, I don't necessarily use a lot of adaptogens for kids because most kids are pretty healthy and strong, but we are starting to see more and more children who are having issues. So I would be using our food herbs, a lot of those nourishing tonics I talked about before, and I would only use an adaptogen if it was really appropriate. And then some of the adaptogens, there is a probable adaptogen, it's called uh, uh, danshan, uh, and uh, Dangsheng, and it's used in Chinese medicine. The, um, the Latin name is Codenopsis, uh, also known as poor man's ginseng. And again, it's cooked in food. And so in my book, I have a recipe for basically uh, making a sort of a little bit like a rice pudding. Hmm. And the rice pudding is made with Codenopsis and goji berries and things like that. And this goes back to the adage of let your food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. So how can people get started? Well, again, I think the first thing to do is you want to educate yourself. You want to figure out, as I said earlier, what adaptogen is the right or adaptogens would be the best ones for you. It's just, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I just want an adaptogen. Well, mm, there's some that, you know, may not be appropriate for you. And even though they are non-toxic in normal therapeutic doses, the reality is there are adaptogens that if they're stimulating and you're overstimulated, they may make your insomnia worse. They might make your blood pressure go up. Um, if you already have dry constipation, they might make your constipation worse. So number one, get the right one. Then you want to figure out what's the for what form is best for you. So adaptogens are available in a lot of different formats. So we have adaptogens that you can buy as bulk herbs and make teas out of them. Most of them you have to do what's called a decoction, which means you kind of cook it a little uh, lightly cook it for a period of time. Because most adaptogens are seeds, barks, or roots, although there are a few that are leaves, like holy basil or another Chinese herb called jiao gulan. Um, so... That's one form. Now, for a nice-tasting herb uh, like Codenopsis or Jiaogulan, which is not bad-tasting, uh, a tea would be fine. But some of our adaptogens are not exactly what I would call beverage teas. So if you're talking about rhodiola, nobody's going to want to drink rhodiola <laughs> as a tea. It is not pleasant. Or reishi mushroom, lingzhi, 
is unbelievably bitter. I mean, it will curl your toenails bitter. <laughs> so nobody's going to want to drink those as teas. So another form of, uh, of herbs would be capsules. Now, you have different things in capsules. Some capsules are just herbs ground up and put into a capsule. And for many of our adaptogens, that's not going to be the most effective way of taking them because with a capsule, even though the herb is powdered and ground up, you still have to digest it. And I would say, you know, of my patients, probably 60, 65% of them have serious digestive issues. So I'm not, you know, capsules can work for some things, but in this case, not so much. Now, other capsules are what are called spray-dried extracts in capsules. And that's a decent form because they've extracted the constituents. So you don't really need to do a lot of digesting to get those sorts of things. So in addition to that, we have another form was called a tincture. Tinctures are probably my favorite form of taking herbs. Now, a tincture is an alcohol and water extract of a plant. And so there are some drawbacks. One of the drawbacks is somebody who has alcohol abuse issues is a recovering alcoholic should not take a tincture. A woman who's pregnant should not take a tincture. And somebody who has, you know, serious liver disease should not be taking a tincture. Some parents are not thrilled about giving tinctures to their kids, but personally, I'm not a, I, I don't have an issue. The amount of the tincture given to a child is very small. The amount of alcohol is relatively very small. That, to me, is not an issue, but that's a parental choice. But the beauty of alcohol is it's an incredibly good extracting agent. It's a wonderful preservative, and alcohol increases absorption dramatically. Some of the alcohol is absorbed sublingually right under the tongue when you take it, and the rest of it is absorbed right through the stomach lining. Most things are not absorbed through the stomach. They have to be absorbed in the small intestine. Alcohol and whatever is in it is one of the very few things that's absorbed directly into the stomach, into the bloodstream. And I think a lot of our listeners have experience with that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They know how quickly it works. Yeah. And so there is a real benefit because you get increased efficacy because of that. And for people with digestive issues, that's not an issue because you're, in a sense, bypassing impaired digestive function. So tinctures can be really useful um, as well. And then there are other types of products in the marketplace, but those are probably the ones that I use the most and I think are the most effective. Great. Well, this has been Wonderful information and some great advice, and we appreciate you having on having you on. Some uh, information you can get on David's website is called herbalstudies.net, and we look forward to your next visit. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.